2: This is Football Social Daily. After a frenetic FA Cup weekend, the Premier League is back this week and the midweek madness kicks off tonight with Frank Lampard looking to further kickstart his Everton era. Could we see Deli and Donny in the mix for the Toffees? Burnley are battling away at the bottom two. They welcome Manchester United to turf more, a Manchester United side who are still stinging from crashing out of the cup. And West Ham continue their top four tilt when they entertain Roy Hodgson's Watford. All of those games to speak of on today's show, and we'll also be asking where the line is when it comes to professionalism away from the pitch... When you're a footballer, fancy cars, flash clothes, partying until the early hours, do these things really matter? Well, there are a few Leicester City fans right now who would certainly say yes. More on that to come here on the only daily podcast focusing on the Premier League. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome along to today's episode of the podcast. Good to have you with us. My name's Niall and to run the rule over tonight's top flight action today, we've got the duo of Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. Morning, Morning, fellas.
1: Morning guys, you alright? Morning, Yorkie and Cole's back.
2: (laughs) York and Cole, what a combo. (laughs) Banging them in, Uh, banging the podcasts out. Um, Let's get stuck straight into it. Three Premier League games tonight. There is fixtures across uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday in the Premier League this week. We've obviously had this winter break and the FA Cup, which means we've lost a weekend of Premier League action. So what do we do? We squeeze them all in and have a triple game week. Just how the managers would have wanted it, I'm sure. But anyway, let's get stuck straight in and talk about Everton against Newcastle. Marley, you're a Newcastle United fan, so a big game for you tonight. Everton, though, I think a lot of the focus will be on them, particularly considering Frank Lampard's gone in there and they've got two new players to speak of who haven't played just yet, Deli Alley and Donny van der Beek. They were both cup-tied for the FA Cup win over Brentford. They could start against Newcastle United this evening. Do you think that that's a possibility?
0: Yeah, uh, it could be. Um, I, I don't expect them to both start. I mean, Maybe one and then the other comes on for the one that started, but um, they well they need improvement, don't they? They they um, they're coming off the back of a good result, so I can't see Lampard changing it too much from the weekend when they were unveiled and and there, but not in the in the team. So um, it's just a it's one of them games where every everything's new, everything's uh, shiny and, and different with Lampard, uh, Ali, Van der Beek, El all possibly playing for for Everton and Newcastle with the. Uh, at least four of their five new signings playing um and still a relatively new sort of manager and a new you know part to the season sort of thing so um just a case of how everyone sort of gels and who who does who does that quicker because Everton had a, a good result at the weekend but with cup football you, you know clubs never take you never know what to think of of club, of uh, cup football in terms of performance because a lot of the time it doesn't transfer over to to the league stuff. So we'll have to see see what sort of Everton turns up and uh, I'm sure will be a a bit of a tougher test than the one they had at the weekend.
2: Yeah, you're right. This game definitely feels like a fresher prospect than what would have been the case two or three weeks ago with the new signings, with the new manager at Everton, uh, fresh faces at Newcastle as well, as you speak of. Uh, Marley's right to pick up what happened at the weekend when it comes to Everton, Joel. They beat Brentford 3-1 or 4-1, I think it was, in the end in the FA Cup, through to the next round. Frank Lampard's first game. Apparently, Goodison Park was absolutely bouncing. Do you think Everton are favourites tonight?
1: Um, I wouldn't underestimate the new signings that Newcastle have made because I think it's going to, I think both sides have just had the biggest boost in the last couple of weeks, which it makes this this tie even more interesting than it probably would have been prior to that, just because obviously that new manager bounce, I think every club experiences it in the first couple of weeks, and then it seems to have a bit of a lull. Uh, but... With the new signings that Newcastle have made, obviously prior to the next game, which none of them have played, I think it's going to be a totally new look Newcastle side because obviously they made, I think, was it five signings in January? So that's nearly a half of a starting lineup. Which I think, when you consider the fact that prior to Eddie Howe coming in starting eleven was one which only had one or two wins in the last 20 Premier League games, then I think it's going to be an, an entirely different prospect. But I think that obviously when you're trying to bed in so many new players, it's going to take a little bit of time as well. And at least with Everton, especially on the back of that last win um, in midweek in the FA Cup, I think they're on just the more of the upward trajectory just in terms of that that new bounce that you need but I think it'll be a very interesting tie I think there'll be a lot of goals in it um, but I think Everton probably go into it as slight favourites just because like I said that new manager bounce is something that I don't know it's just like a absolutely phenomenon isn't it where the players seem to get up for it it's that spark of motivation and after a few weeks, they get like a loss, and then suddenly they start going downhill again. But I think they should be able to capitalize. But I mean, if Newcastle were able to get a victory, it brings Everton right into that relegation battle again, and suddenly the pressure's on Lampard straight away. So it is a big game for Lampard as well, because obviously he's not off the he's not off the loose uh, off the leash in terms of getting away from that bottom three because three points are in it, and suddenly he's he's in big pressure with not many games to go. Uh, so it's a, it is a, it's an interesting tie-up for sure.
2: You're spot on, Joel. And I think that if Newcastle do win tonight, they go out of the relegation zone. They'll overtake Norwich. They'll overtake Watford. They'll be on 18 points and one point behind Everton, who will stay where they are, depending on the other results. Of course, Watford and Burnley both in action tonight, and we'll discuss that, but just taking this game on face value here, Newcastle can potentially leave the relegation zone with three points and Everton, if they lose, will get sucked closer to it. But conversely, if Everton pick up three points, that'll put them on 23 and they'll have a better goal difference than Brentford. So that will put them up into 14th. And all of a sudden, they're clear of danger for the time being. So do you think that that is the difference at the moment, Marley? Do you think Everton are just one or two wins away from relative safety? I know things can all change so quickly.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's kind of similar to how Aston Villa were a few a few weeks ago when Gerrard came in. Like the situation wasn't that bad, um, but sort of the way it was going, it was like if if we carry on for another three or four weeks losing, then we're in the we're in the mix. Um, so when Lam- um, Gerrard came in, it was you know they got a couple of wins straight away, uh, and the, you know they've never really looked back. So I think I think it's similar to Everton to be honest. Um, they're not. They've not got that much work to do to get, you know, around the sort of mid-table obscurity sort of uh, area in the in the table. So it's they'll probably be targeting tonight and saying, you know, we can go and beat Newcastle. They're they're below us. We should we should, you know, have a chance in this game. We should be uh, able to do what we want to do rather than react to their new signings and stuff. And we'll be we'll be looking at it thinking, well, it's only Everton. They're on a poor run. Yes, they have got a new manager, but. Can we take advantage of that, um, like lack of um, sort of together, togetherness and philosophy? Like um, t- you know, not playing together for any more than ninety minutes. It's still very early on, so can we exploit that and, and get the points? So, hopefully, we can do it and we get to see uh, a few of the new lads, especially uh, Bruno Gimoresh, um pulling the strings in midfield.
2: Do you think we'll see Bruno Guimarães start? I mean, he's the marquee signing. Everyone would suggest that it probably was Trippier, but I think that Trippier signing, as impressive as it was for Newcastle, was probably sort of gazumped a little bit by the acquisition of Guimarães who, by all accounts, was attracting a lot of interest. So for him to swap you know, Ligue 1 football with a top club in Lyon, albeit they're not doing so well in the league at the moment, but in terms of their stature in France, they're one of the bigger clubs. For a Newcastle side who are struggling at the bottom of the Premier League, I think that speaks a lot about the project. So are you expecting Eddie Howe to 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 plant Gimoresh in the middle of the park tonight, as well as the other signage? Do you think we could see all of them possibly feature? I hope
0: so, because he's played most games this season for Lyon. Um, he's just went away and I think he came on as a sub for in the most recent Brazil game and got himself an assist. Um, so it's not like he's he's rusty. Um, and at the end of the day, I see it as if if you're paying 33 million quid for a player, um, why can't he come straight into the team? Like, I think we're not strong enough in, in midfield to, to say, you know what, we'll 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 bed him in, like, we'll give him half an hour this week and then you know. An hour next week, and then 90 minutes from there on. I think we're, the situation requires instant improvement, so we need to bring him in straight away. For me, um, he's better than what we've got by the looks of things, and we've got to give him the chance to be better than what we've got. So he seems to have uh, settled pretty quickly. He speaks basic English, um, he's got players around him that can speak, you know, um, like Spanish ish, Portuguese ish, and a few French speakers as well. so Expect him to start. Same with Trippier and Target and Chris Wood. Um, apparently, Dan Burns has got a slight toe injury or something, so he might not start. But I'd, I'd probably expect at least three, but probably four to to get in the team tonight. Are you confident, Marley? I'm never, I'm never confident with Newcastle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm hopeful. Um, if they were coming here with Rafa Benitez, I, I thought we'd have we'd have beat them. Um, I can see it being a draw. In in all fairness, I, I was just a bit worried that they got they happened to have got Calvert Lewin and and everyone back really um, for this game. I think Rich Allison scored the weekend. Calvert Lewin's back. Um, they've got the midfield back. They've just got two new signings. So probably playing at the worst time in six months to be honest. Um, but having said that, we're improving. We are getting better. We're not playing like a team that's in the three worst in in the league. Um, and with the buzz of the of the crowd and the new signings, I think uh,
2: we should definitely take something from the game. Just finally, Joel, before we move on here, Burnley have got two games in hand, and we'll talk about their game with Manchester United later on in the show. They're currently bottom of the table, but with Watford's draw against Burnley, that means that Watford have now played the same amount of games as Newcastle United. They have the same amount of points, but they're marginally ahead on goal difference I say marginally actually there's five goals in it which is is quite significant I suppose you could say but my point is that Norwich City have played a game more and Newcastle have a chance to kind of drag Everton closer as you've already discussed if they win tonight that's huge that's a huge statement to make that's even a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world do you think that it is going to go all the way to the
1: wire this season yeah I think there's that set of five teams at the moment who are consistently there but you know the thing i have with burnley is that i do have more hope for them than for example watford and that's just the fact that they've lost nearly just over uh half their games burnley have lost eight games all season watford have lost 14 so for burnley it's literally a case of converting some of those 10 draws which watford have drawn three into wins uh but again the only issue is that burnley have won one game all season which is alarming Um, But, of course, I think, like you you mentioned, if Newcastle were to get the victory today, even though they have a three-game margin on them in terms of their games in hand, it does create that psychological barrier which suddenly they start to get further and further away. Um, But, you know, as we say, in the last like eight games of the Premier League, these teams seem to just gain this momentum from out of the sky and be able to get these results at the most trickiest ground. So I definitely wouldn't rule any of them out at the moment, just in terms of getting out of that bottom three. Uh, I think there's a chance for all of them, to be honest. But I mean, these games against your rivals are, the, are just absolute importance to win. Um, and I think if Newcastle can bring Everton into the into the, into the the little rivalry they've got going on at the bottom, then I think it'll be massive for the other teams as well. I'll tell you what, it might be
2: miles away, but April and May are looking huge, particularly for Burnley. We'll talk about them in a sec, but they've got Norwich, Watford and final day of the season, Marley, that 22nd of May, four o'clock kickoff at Turf Moor, Burnley against Newcastle. That's looking bigger and bigger as the weeks go on.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, and if someone offered me now, oh, look, honestly, the the one thing I want from this season is Chris Wood to score the, the winner in the 90th minute <laughs> where whoever, whoever wins stays up. Um, but no, that, that, they're, I don't even know if it will be the uh, the final game of the season because they've got so many to replay, they might it's end true. up
2: playing on into... <laughs> into sort of late May, early June. Yeah, they'll have to squeeze them in somewhere. We'll talk about Burnley shortly on the podcast. But after this break, we're going to be talking about what's right and what's wrong when it comes to your conduct off the pitch as a footballer. There are no written rules, but there are certainly some unwritten ones. And Leicester City fans, after their FA Cup exit at the weekend, are not happy after a couple of their players were spotted doing something that really upset the supporters. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily.
0: (laughs) Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss
2: an episode. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price,
0: Priceline. Football's social daily. Find more great sports at sport social.co.uk.
2: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from Sports Social. We are the only podcast with a new episode every single day of the top flight season here in England. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode again. My name's Niall and Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor are alongside me to discuss tonight's Premier League action. There are games tomorrow as well. We'll be talking about all of those games right throughout the week. But before we do get to Burnley versus Manchester United and West Ham versus Watford, I wanted to talk about something that we picked up on that was doing the rounds on social media. Media yesterday. It was a video that emerged of Leicester City players enjoying themselves at a house party at five o'clock on Monday morning. Of course, five o'clock on Monday morning after Sunday night, where they were knocked out by Nottingham Forest, a local rival, they were hammered 4 1 in the FA Cup. It was a really poor show from Leicester City in their defence of the FA Cup, and it's a really poor look as well for those players, I think. Especially with it being pasted all over social media, I suppose. That's what makes it a little bit tough to take. Can you understand, Joel, why Leicester fans are a bit annoyed about this?
1: With the with this situation it's a little bit complex because obviously it's not a great taste after a defeat for any club when you see players going out and, you know, getting bladdered, drowning the sorrows. But I think what with football is everyone seems to forget that with all these associations they have with the money they earn, the cars they have, the women in their life, the lifestyle they lead. Everyone forgets that they are flawed human beings like everybody else. They're not They're not different to me or you or Marley or anyone. They're people. The only difference is that their life is publicised on a, a, a global scale, that every move is captured everywhere. And especially in this generation, compared to 20, 30 years ago, they cannot move and they cannot breathe in the world because there's always going to be that opportunist person who has the phone out and if they see one of them bladded, they'll capture it and then that's their name dragged down into this whole furore of media speculation and fans getting angry at them and they can't breathe. And for me, it's a case of everyone needs to just remember that these guys, they, a lot of them are young guys, 19, 20, 21 and everyone needs to remember how were they when they were nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, and let's let's not forget these guys are earning north of fifty grand a week. If I mean, obviously they, sh- they should have the right advisors and the right people, but they are people as well. They're teenagers, of course. They're gonna, you know, be influenced very easily. You're at a very, um, you're at an age where you're easily influenced by your peers at nineteen, twenty, and they're no different. They're people. So you know, I don't have a massive a massive kind of uh, thing with it, but I know, for example, when you take it back to Sir Alex Ferguson, when he ever saw his players you know out drinking, doing stupid things, he was on them, but it was never publicly, but it was never because he wanted to restrict their freedom. It's because he wanted them to be the best athlete you can be. and I think the the, the thing with being a footballer is that it's a lifestyle. It's not as if, you know, you go to your nine-to-five job and you switch off after that. Being an athlete requires a hell of a lot of sacrifice to get to a level where you can sustain it. Like, for example, Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm pretty sure during his early days, of of course he enjoyed himself in the evenings. What what person on earth doesn't? But, I mean, he doesn't go over the top with it where it ends up creating negative connotations around his name and his image and that kind of thing. And he he, he knows what he needs to be doing. Um, and I think Brendan Rodgers' quote, what, uh did he say something along the lines of these young players think that they've already made it before they've actually made it, or something along those lines? And you know what? There are there is some truth in it because I think when you get to a certain stage as a player, where you know you've me- you've made it pretty much, as in you are the status player. I feel like there is margin for error just because you know that this person's producing week in week out. Whereas when you get these young players who are in and out of the team, not doing as much, you look at them and think, is there more that you could be doing to actually reach your potential? Um, so I think it is a very complex issue. But for me, everyone just needs to remember that they're flawed people at like every person on earth.
2: I agree with 95% of what you've said there. However, I think that we need to take into context the manner of the defeat, the fact that they're the holders of the FA Cup or were, and now they're out. They lost to a local rival who are in the division below, who they haven't played in eight years. They lost 4-1 and the video was posted by one of the player's girlfriends. Now, we're talking about, you know, understanding that people are going to be around you posting things. It's not to suggest they shouldn't be going to a house party and, and having fun and drowning in their sorrows, which you, you said, which I think is a good way to express it. It just didn't sit well with the Leicester fans, and I can totally understand that. It might be a poor look, but you're right. Players do have a life outside of football. However, I think that there is a a fine line to tread, Marley, as we discussed on yesterday's show, between what is considered appropriate and what isn't considered appropriate. Now, there's nothing wrong with players going out and having a drink, but go and have a drink after you win a game. Not after you get beat four one by your local rivals. That would be my take, and I think that it was an extra kick in the teeth to the Leicester fans after what was a really shocking performance from their team.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's 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 just that. Yeah, it's it's a kick in the teeth. You know, you there's this. You know, this season has been really poor by Leicester standards. You know, Um, they would expect to be in that top four. Like the way the way everybody's playing in the league right now if you said to them, you know, Chelsea are going to slack off, fourth is going to be anybody's guess, Leicester would be like, well, we'll finish fourth because we're good enough. You know, we've tried, we've almost did it the last two seasons. We're certainly in that mix. Um, and it obviously hasn't gone that way so far. So then it comes to the FA Cup and they're thinking, right, well, we, we won this last year, so we can, we can potentially go and win it again. And they get embarrassed by... Nottingham Forest, which is like some part-time rivalry they've got with, with Forest. And, you know, it's just an awful day because you had, you had the Leicester fans going and smashing up Nottingham. Um, and then you had the, you know, Rodgers digging into his squad a little bit when they when they turned him the worst performance, probably of his entire reign as as Leicester boss. And then it doesn't end there, you know, 12 hours later, three divisa are partying at five o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, okay, you have... Have a few drinks if you absolutely need to, if it's someone's birthday or whatever. But you know, 5am, and then some idiots putting it on a Snapchat story, um, sorry, your Instagram story. It's like someone somewhere
2: have some brains. It's not hard to to keep this a secret or to just not have in it. In my opinion, it's not so much of that for me as it is for common sense. You know, this is yeah. a guy who plays in goal, who's conceded four, who very rarely plays, and yeah. you know, he's he's been kind of. Thrown under the bus a little bit by something that's been posted by his girlfriend. What we should say though is that a local reporter yesterday actually suggested that this video was accidentally posted and it was taken a few weeks ago. But for it to be <laughs> accidentally posted at five o'clock Classic. in the morning, I think leads to a few <laughs> question marks. Yeah, hands up, who believes that? Nobody. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's a lie. Isn't it? It's it's damage, uh damage limitation, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's. It's just, I, I guess the question, stupid.
2: Marley, is where's the line drawn here? You know, where's the line drawn between Joel's right, They're young men who often, a lot of the time, don't grow up a normal life because they're thrust into the limelight at an extremely young age. We're talking 16, 17 and above. They come into money very, very early. And it's understandably a cultural problem within football that you see these things Um, blown out of proportion. Social media is a huge part of that. Cameras thrust in your face wherever you go. You're watched. Every move is scrutinized. I agree with almost all of what Joel was saying before. But there needs to be some sort of line. And like I said before, it's almost like an unwritten rule, isn't it? It's where do you draw the line between should I go out and have a drink tonight? Well, yeah, I'm only going over a friend's for a couple of beers. It should be fine. And then it's posted on social media. And you think, okay, I've been rumbled here. Or do you just play it safe and you don't have a life because you know that that's kind of part of the element of being a footballer. I think it's a really interesting line that's being drawn. It's almost like an unwritten rule, as I say. And knowing where or when you cross that is is proving more and more difficult, I think.
0: Yeah, there there is a line, um, 100%, but you've got to know that that's way past it. 5am party after, you know, on the night of you've just been battered in the, the FA Cup by lower league opposition. It's just... It's just really, really thick. It's really stupid to to do it in the first place. Um, like, yeah, or you know, it might not have been meant to have been posted, or it might have been posted without people knowing it was posted. But they're all there. They're all smashed, and they're all, you know, they they're gonna be sorry they get caught. Um, you see, you see the people in it: like Danny Ward, Hamza Chowdhury. I think this is the problem with with some sort of squad players like. They're, they're squad players. They're not first-team players. And, they, you know, he's a backup goalkeeper and a defensive midfielder who barely gets a game. And then they're, they're partying like they're the superstars. And it's like that... It's just so out of touch, I think, with... You know, the first team, the more experienced first-teamers will be like, I'm not going to go there because that's stupid. And even James Madison. <laughs> James Madison's had so many run-ins with... You know, people saying he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be out the, at the darts, watching the darts. He shouldn't be, you know, out dressed in fancy, fancy designer gear, like they were saying to saying about Deli Ali the other day. Um, like even he was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go at that, just in case. And it's, you know, it's it's just one of them stupid things where you, you should know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be you know like a a whiter than white sort of um cleaner than clean type of person to know that that's a, that is way past the line and that will annoy fans and it'll annoy Brendan Rodgers and he's the one i feel sorry for in this because he's said you know in his quotes after the the Forest game you know some of these players think the top players and they're not and that behavior is just is people acting like the top players and they're untouchable and you know i can go out and party because You know, it's only it's only FA Cup. It's only not even for us. We've got the day off tomorrow, so I can do what I want. And ultimately, it'll be Brendan Rodgers that pays pays the price because he's the one that'll get sacked. Hamza Chowdhury, Danny Ward, James Justin, they'll still have jobs this morning. But if things still carry on
2: going wrong and this this causes a problem in the dressing room, Mm. ultimately Brendan Rodgers is the one that's going to get sacked for it. It's really interesting that on consecutive days here on Football Social Daily, we've been speaking about players' lives away from the pitch and yesterday we kind of I think we're all in agreement that Glenn Hoddle's comments about Deli Alley and what car he drove to Everton and what clothes he wore were just a a stick to beat him with that wasn't necessary you know who cares what car he drives and what clothes he wears that's almost immaterial whereas the actual actions of what we saw Leicester players doing going out and partying after a real bitter defeat uh, to a local rival I think that that's a slightly different Uh, conversation and I think that you know one is considerably um, more annoying to supporters than the other and it's interesting that maybe some of the older footballers who haven't experienced the level of fame and wealth that maybe you see nowadays have decided that the clothes and the car is the route to go down rather than condemning the player's having a drink after the game when probably they shouldn't have done because back in the day that was the done thing i just think it's a really interesting dynamic to to discuss and i'm sure we'll talk about it again on the, the thing, podcast the thing,
0: one last thing that just get also sort of winds you up a little bit is when people say oh you know the are normal normal footballers uh, normal people and you know normal people go out and party um but they don't go out and party 5am when they're in work the next day like I didn't, I didn't go out partying last night until five a.m. because we I mean, were work the next day. You know what I mean? It's like, three thirty instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a couple of swift halves and in bed by three. Yeah. So it's <laughs> some people, you know, relate it back to that normal, normal life, and it's that it, it isn't a normal life in any situation. So
2: you just gotta be more careful with it. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with the majority of what both. Uh, yourself and Joel have said when it comes to that uh, unfortunately we'll be talking about more off-field problems next because Kurt Zuma and again this relates to social media has been a video doing something despicable involving um, one of his pets which I'm sure we'll talk about after this but West Ham do have a game tonight they welcome Watford to London Stadium Burnley too are in action at the bottom of the table as Manchester United are the visitors we'll talk about those two games next after this
0: football's social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
2: this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation and hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com Welcome back, this is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Two more Premier League games to speak of tonight, Burnley against Manchester United and West Ham against Watford at London Stadium. We'll start with the game at Turf Moor where Manchester United travel only a few miles north to take on their Lancashire opponents Burnley. Uh, Burnley are off the back of a Premier League game at the weekend seeing as themselves and Watford were both knocked out of the FA Cup, so they contested a Premier League fixture on Saturday night it finished 0-0 in horrendous conditions. I couldn't believe seeing the pre and post-match interviews pitch side with Roy Hodgson who just looked like a frail old man stood there getting battered by the wind (laughs) in the rain bit of saliva kind of dripping out the side of his mouth the poor guy just start doing interviews inside for goodness sake you know I thought we got back to that stage but anyway um, Burnley nil-nil with Watford A clean sheet, which is, I guess, one positive, but their fixtures are looking bleak, Joel, and they're running out of time. In terms of those games in hand, um, they're not going to be easy. Their next game, of course, Manchester United tonight. Then they've got Liverpool. Then it's away at Brighton. And then at home to Tottenham. Then they've got Palace and Chelsea just as we roll into the beginning of March. That's not to mention games against Man City still to come as well before the end of the season, plus some relegation rivals. So the fixtures for Burnley are, are really, really interesting.
1: The next 10 fixtures could be make or break for them because a lot of them in between have got their relegation rivals. So I know they've got Norwich on the ninth and then um, I think there's Watford soon to come. So there's... there's is, is, is Well, it's the business end of the season, isn't it? Where every single game now matters more than ever. Uh, Burnley always seem to get out of trouble somehow with Sean Dyche. And like I was mentioning earlier, um, the fact that they've, although they've only won one game in the league and they've drawn 10, they've lost the fewest out of all of the relegation battling sides. And I think that's one positive I would take from it if I was a Burnley fan and if I was Sean Dyche because they're not easily beaten compared to the rest of the the pack. And that's, I think that's something that you can definitely use as a strength because obviously they're difficult to break down and they can't seem to convert those draws into wins. So I think for me, they are the stronger of probably, I would say, Watford um, and a couple of the other sides that they're alongside. But I mean... It, it's difficult when you have to come against these sides like City and Chelsea, who also have a massive amount to play for, which is the the league title and top four. So it's kind of like two bulls crashing against each other in terms of who wants it more for what they actually want the what to come out of the season. Uh, but I think when it comes to actually teams who are trying to survive relegation, it just seems to me like they always have a bit more impetus than any other side that they face. I always I always remember when I think Burnley beat. Chelsea away from home a a few years ago when they needed like a few points to stay up and this is what I mean it's just it it throws up results that you would never ever expect Um, but when you've got teams on the opposite side of the table I mean I'm sure that when it comes to you know the last five six games of the season there'll be Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, Manchester United all dying to get into that top four against the likes of Norwich, Burnley, Newcastle who are all dying to stay in the Premier League so They are very interesting matchups, and sometimes one team wants it more than the other and that's the only thing that you can tell them apart. How much
2: will Manchester United want it tonight, Joel? The team that you support who were knocked out of the FA Cup on Friday night. It was an awful exit for them, really. They made so many chances against Middlesbrough. Bruno Fernandes hits the post when he should have scored. They hit the crossbar. Ronaldo misses a penalty. It goes to a penalty shootout. Um, There was a handball goal from Middlesbrough, which we won't get into now um alanga skies the penalty middlesbrough through um it was one of those evenings where nothing went right for manchester united but they should have won the game so they need a response don't they against burnley tonight
1: yeah 100 percent that game should have been done in the first half with you know obviously ronaldo missing a penalty bruno fernandez missing from literally an open goal i mean on another day it would have been three nil at half time and the tie would have been done very easily but it's just the case of the, the chant What what I'm seeing, which is a positive, is the fact that they're creating more because in the last few months, there was just absolutely nothing where it didn't look like a goal could come from any area of the pitch whatsoever. So at least now there is a little bit more creativity. Obviously, they're on a two-game uh, successive victories in the Premier League, which is, you know, that's that's where we are at the moment in terms of trying to build up these small, consistent runs because it's just not happened at all this season. Um, so in terms of confidence I mean if this wind keeps up going to turf more than no I'm not confident with that giant six foot six guy they've got up front Um, (laughs) (laughs) so it might be a bit of a tricky afternoon for whoever's at the back but um, Burnley's to be fair we've had a a decent form run at Burnley in the last few years which at the start wasn't great but when you go away to these sides like I say who have this motivation and they have a different new look side at the moment. Obviously, they've got like a new forward line since the last time we played them. Um, it will be a tricky, tricky tie. And I'm just happy with the fact that, you know, obviously Sancho's starting to come into his own a little bit. Um, Bruno's starting to have a bit more output than he did at the start of the season. Uh, And obviously, I think one of the biggest things is Rafa Varane's really starting to come into his own every single game now, which, you know, as a defensive unit, which was just conceding goals, left, right and centre at the start. That's massive for every United fan. But yeah, I mean, every game that United go into now, I don't have as much confidence as, say, you know, 10 years ago. Um, Every game is a struggle and it has been for a long, long time now. Uh, but I'm more confident
2: this You've got two games in hand though, Joel, and if you beat Burnley, that will not cement you in fourth, but you're a point ahead of West Ham and you've played a game less than West Ham. You've played two games fewer than Chelsea and there is currently nine points difference. So that gap would be trimmed to just three points to Chelsea in third once you've played your games in hand, if you win them both. So, you know, if, if you want to get into the top four, which Ralph Rangnick was discussing in his pre-match press conference, saying, if you had offered me fourth when I came in, I would have definitely taken it. Um, United are in, now they're in pole position. So they they should really win tonight if they, if
1: they have aspirations to finish fourth. Niall, you make it sound so damn easy. <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, we always have this situation where you know we have two games in hand. Niall, you sounds like You know, forward.
0: if they just try a bit harder, they'll win all the games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, Yeah, it's, it's only six points to win. It's not that hard. Um, but yeah, we always have this situation. Burnley, where one... the bottom
2: of the table on thirteen points, and they've won one game all season. I don't think it's uh, no. But that, it's this, this makes even more likely for us to drop <laughs> points.
1: It makes us even more. likely. It's not the
2: wildest claim ever to suggest that Manchester United should be beating bottom of the table Burnley, but I I guess I see your point.
1: I (laughs) mean, Watford smashed us 4-1 a few months ago and they won like one (laughs) game all season then. So honestly, these games make me more nervous than, for example, if we were playing like Arsenal away. Just because we know that the, the up the game times 10 in these types of fixtures. So, yeah, in an ideal world, we go three points behind Chelsea, but we're not in an ideal world. And this is a new age Manchester United where you just don't know what you're going to get every single game. So, yeah, we'll take it as we come because I seriously have zero confidence, but then zero non-confidence. It's, it's, it's a middle ground.
2: I'm really interested to see how Varane and Maguire uh, deal with Val Veghurst tonight. A big, strong guy. Didn't really get much of the action, I don't think, against Watford at the weekend, but You know, what a way to announce himself at Turf Moor in front of the home crowd. Night game under the lights against Manchester United, causing chaos. And uh, for Manchester United, by the way, Fred and Alex Tellez are both unavailable due to positive coronavirus tests. Moving on from Burnley against Manchester United to West Ham against Watford. Another side challenging for the top four against another side battling to beat the drop. The Hammers are currently fifth in the table but they face a Watford side who drew nil-nil with Burnley as we've already mentioned on today's podcast. That was Roy Hodgson's first game in charge. Do you think that they'll be able to get a result against the West Ham side, Marley, who needed last gasp equalisers slash winners to beat non-league kidderminster in the FA Cup at the weekend or will it be a little bit more straightforward, do you think?
0: Uh, I I think it'll be a little bit more straightforward. Um, I think... West Ham you know they made a right meal of it didn't they Kiderminster um but ultimately they they showed the quality when it when it when they really had to i suppose um and i think watford Watford for me just don't i don't see what Watford can bring to the table with uh with with it being against west Ham and they're you know they're doing well watford they don't strike me as a team that can like really hurt you at any at any point or shore up and and um like keep you out for for ninety minutes and make it a nil nil. I know they're coming off the back of a nil nil, but it was against Burnley and it was the first clean sheet in like two years or something or something mental like that. So I'm not sure about what I think. This is this this will be too uh, too much for them uh, to be honest. And I I hope that's the case as well because we need <laughs> we need Watford to keep losing so we can uh, try and keep them below us in the table. So with a bit of luck. Um, West Ham and Declan Rice and Antonio all do us a favour
2: and, and keep
0: them firmly in the uh, in the mire.
2: As we say, when it comes to the Hammers it was a close run thing against non-league side Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup on Saturday. They've got a pretty thin looking squad. They played a number of first teamers in that game against Kidderminster. Um, but there is a debate tonight, Joel, over whether the defender, Kurt Zuma will be allowed to start against Watford. And the reason for that is a video has Emerged on social media, I think it was published by the newspaper The Sun, of Kurt Zuma deciding that he would kick his pet cat. And it's not a nice video. We condemn ex- absolutely Kurt Zuma's actions. Animal abuse is not okay. And as such, there's been a bit of debate as to whether David Moyes should put Kurt Zuma in his team tonight or whether the club should take action and suspend Kurt Zuma. Or leave him out of this game as almost a punishment. Uh, the club have issued a statement on Kurt Zuma's alleged actions in this uh, social media video of him being violent towards an animal, and they've basically suggested that they'll deal with the matter internally. So I guess uh, it's a difficult question, Joel. But do you think we'll see Kurt Zuma tonight, or do you think that David Moyes will do what many people think he should do and leave Zuma out of the team?
1: yeah with with the video it's just it's despicable, isn't it to be honest? and I don't think it's it's hard just for a video for animal lovers. It's just anyone who has some decency and morals like I think what I've realized is that you know when you were younger when you looked at these footballers, they could do no wrong they were you know that heroism kind of aura around them. they were just every every single player just seemed to be the top pair of top tier of human beings but as I've gotten older now, well, I say older. I'm only twenty five, um, but as you know, as you have a bit more awareness, you realise that honestly, the footballers are not people who you should be using as you kind of idols. Because, like I mentioned earlier on, the the people, and I'm not. This is not to excuse his behaviour, by the way, because the the average normal person doesn't do something like that. Um, and I think you know, I, I think Moyes would be right to leave him out because it's a. Especially when it comes to animals, it's a very sensitive subject. And it's not one that you want to be kind of, like I say, when you're younger, when you're 15, between like five and 15, you look up to these footballers regardless of what they do. So you don't want to be sending the wrong message to the younger generation. And I know footballers don't sign up to be role models, but I'm sorry, but that's what the role kind of entails, which is the fact that your life is no longer a private life anymore. And I think some of these footballers really need to audit their circles big time because... You know, again, this is not to excuse the video, but how how have you got a friend recording you doing something like that, which is absolutely madness to me? You
2: know, leaving Zuma out of the team, is that just punishment? Will that kind of, will that put things right? No, it probably won't. You know, people will now know Kurt Zuma as someone who did this. And so therefore it's going to impact him in other ways, but it's a mistake he's made that he's going to have to live with.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't put it right, but I mean, it allows people to see that west ham don't take this thing lightly and i think that's important that the the club need to be shown as an organization and as a business who don't tolerate this kind of behavior from his employees i think it's natural to do something like that you don't want to be playing a guy who's just done something like that and everyone's thinking what so you condone this kind of behavior then i think it's important you set a precedent
2: playing devil's advocate here west ham as I said, behind Manchester United in the table. They need to get in the top four. That's their aim for this season. They have to win here, really, if they want to get in the top four. They need to be beating sides like Watford. I saw one West Ham fan suggest, Zoom has apologised, the club have issued a statement, he should play tonight. Which is fine. That's someone's opinion. If they feel like that, they're totally entitled to have that opinion. But is this where we get close to issues when it comes to football And the matters at hand when it comes to football over maybe the more moral side of the things. You know, if Zuma plays tonight, is that the right decision? Mm, I don't know. It's quite hard to tell. But West Ham have to win and they'll probably want Zuma in their team because it gives them a better chance of winning. So I think it's a really interesting debate.
1: I definitely agree. It's a case of like, do you take the moral approach or do you take the, the footballing approach? Um, because let's say this was, for example, you know, a player who was their top goal scorer, then that becomes even more difficult of a issue to tackle for a football club because it's a case of, are you going to take the moral high ground and, you know, Take make, make an example of this player to say you don't condone it or you're going to start in based on the fact that like you just said you need the person in your side to actually potentially win the game which then potentially gets you into closer to the top four so it is an interesting one but I think you always have to look at things from a human point of view which is that you need to make sure that this kind of behaviour is eradicated from the roots obviously it probably won't eradicate it but you need to make sure that you you as an organisation don't condone this kind of behavior. And I, for me, it's important that that kind of thing happens. Of course, everyone has the different opinions and they're gonna be l- less or more affected by what's just happened. Um, but of course, you, you can't audit every single fan and say, what should we do? You need to take the stand and just make the point that you want to make on the issue itself. And there's been a lot of issues obviously in the past few weeks on footballers in their private lives. And it's very it's very case by case, but bottom line is, clubs need to make sure they don't condone behaviour which is going to be looked at in a very very negative way which is what this has just happened
2: mm. yeah okay finally then back to the football Marley West Ham tonight facing off against Watford at London Stadium they didn't make any sign so if for instance they have a couple of players go down injured where does that leave West Ham as I said it's a pretty thin looking squad uh, there are a few disgruntled supporters over the fact they didn't strengthen in the window do you think it's kind of a bit of a touch and go thing with the Hammers? Let's just say they have a couple of players go down with injury tonight. I mean that that leaves them really short on numbers, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that's that's where West Ham's season could fall apart. Um they haven't got the biggest squad, especially up front in their in their striking department. Um only Antonio who's had a lot of muscle injuries over over the last couple of years. Um yeah, they've just they've just got to manage it well. They've got to they've got to manage it better than anyone else because um, no one else has that sort of same um, like problems. Really, I think everyone up there competing around where they are has much deeper uh, resources than than them. So they've also got the the Europa League coming back soon. The knockout stages, and I always think that's a, a slightly more um, disadvantaged um, tournament than the Champions League because you play on a Thursday night and. Thursday to Sunday is is really not a, a big uh, a big gap so um they they've got to be careful i mean i'm still amazed they didn't go out and get anybody in in january for to help out that striking department in particular but um that's 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 the decisions they've made and and ultimately if they come sixth or seventh at the end of the season i think everyone will look back at west ham and say well you should have bought in in january um it's all well and good saying you put in Three club record bids, but they didn't come to anything. They didn't come to fruition. They just got knocked back by the clubs you were going to. So you might as well not have done it. You've wasted your own time there because you you know they, clearly the valuation wasn't there. it Doesn't matter if it's your um, club record bid of like forty million. If if the club rates whoever you whoever you're trying to buy at sixty million, you're not going to get them. So. Ultimately, that might come back.
2: It feels like a, a a case of oh, at least we tried. Oh yeah, which I think is something that yeah. Jim's spoken about when it comes to West Ham in the past. It's a case of oh, well we put a bid in, but they said no. At least we tried, and it's like, well, that, that, does that really count as, you know, going all guns a blazing to try and sign a player?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's very much like that. I think so. Yeah, it's um, it's clear where they may have gone wrong this season if if they don't finish in in the top four or or even the top six. So. We'll have to see what happens. Obviously, the proof will be in the pudding, but um, this, these opportunities don't last for too long because you've got to assume everyone's going to be better next season. Man United are going to sort themselves out, hopefully in the summer, um, to, to come back to to take that sort of top four and cut everyone else off a little bit. Spurs will get better inside in the summer. So it's just going to get harder. Leicester might come back again. So it's just going to get harder for, for everyone. So, you know, West Ham may have, uh, may have blown it, but... Uh, I'd, I'd still like him to see do well um let's like see them do well because i like how they're they're kind of building a team a little bit i like I like the fact that declan
2: rice is, is in there and he's came through the academy and stuff um so we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens i suppose Certainly will. Three Premier League games tonight. West Ham, Watford, Burnley, Manchester United and Newcastle versus Everton. We'll talk about all of those results on tomorrow's show. There are also matches tomorrow as well and you can keep right up to date by hitting subscribe on this podcast. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League show you can find. You can also get some match previews and match reports over on our website, sport-social.co.uk. But for today's episode, that's it. Thank you very much, Joel. Thank you, Marley. We'll speak to you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily.